everybody. Hey, welcome to the Texans Take. All righty. Well, um, Brig, would you like to introduce our guest? Oh, we have a guest? No, yeah. I'm just <laughs> so my dad is on with us, Delray Lentz. And he's uh, he, he's actually been, this has been planned for a couple of times. So this is just now, we're, we're, we've actually all got it lined up and we're all on the same page. And he had time to study, unlike some people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So say hey, Dad. Hey, hey, how's everybody? So I have a, I've, I don't know, I've had a, a pretty, a pretty good week. What about yourself? No, I've had a, I've had a decent week. Hadn't been bad. Had been every like, other day. Amazing. You've had a good day. Yeah, you know, <laughs> when you're actually eating. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> I've, been, I've had a good time. So Stuart and I are on this uh, alternate day fasting right now, which is, yeah. um, let's just say it's either a chore and miserable or once you get like there there is a hump where it's like ah it's not horrible i'm just not eating today well <laughs> i don't know it's kind of a i mean i've been doing it for a while now some days it's like you know man i need to go to bed early so i can eat tomorrow <laughs> and other days it's like you know i could do this all day and then you wake up in the morning it's like dude i could do this all day too you know um but uh I don't know. Some days are definitely better than others, but tomorrow night is going to be real nice because we have the uh, Lakey Gap Family Night Supper at church. Woo, I'm looking forward to that. Mom's going to be making curry again. Oh. Yeah. No. So. <laughs> Which I don't know. I, I don't know about you, Dad. I've, I've never really had, like, Indian food before the Lions introduced me to it, and it's like... Yeah. Some of it's good. Some of it's like, eh, I'll be all right without it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you kind of taking the way mom used to take curry, you know, because mom was from Idaho. And uh, dad's the one that dragged mom into Indian food. Um, and, you know, she never even thought of the idea of Indian food. And then, you know, she moves to Texas with him uh, after they were married. And, um Dad starts taking her to all of these fantastic Indian places, which, mind you, Austin has some of the best Indian food, probably the best Indian food, at least in the state of Texas, if not further out than that. Um, and, uh, you know, Mom tried. She saw something that she recognized, a.k.a. chicken, and that was it. <laughs> she was like, I see chicken. I can eat that. And then she saw rice, and she was like, I think I know what that is. And then spinach, she tried that. And so after about two or three times of dad basically like, oh, my gosh, you've got to try this. It's amazing, you know. Mom is now a, a deep believer in Indian food, loves it, makes it herself, and all of her kids love it so much. And so anyway, it's always a treat whenever mom makes Indian. Yeah. So speaking well, of... Cool. Things going on in Texas have the have the masks been unmandated for Texas, Dad? Yeah, how's that going over in B Dice? You know, um, I, there's still some cities, the best I know. I mean, I'm so remote from them, but just what I'm reading between the Attorney General and different things, um, and it seems like the 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 cities and counties are are coming out. Uh, victorious in, in the early showings anyway. Um, so 
some of them are still still on in the bigger cities, but but you know around us not so much. There's still a lot of folks that are choosing to wear the mask. Um, but I, I know I went into Walmart this week and probably prior to the uh, mandate being lifted, they were customer uh, wise they were probably ninety percent. Uh, wearing the mask, and um, so this last week when I went in, I would say it was it was probably maybe down to fifty, oh, maybe wow. even less than that. So, oh, that's moving in the right and um, I was in Huntsville today. A lot, a lot of the businesses, their employees are not wearing the mask. Uh, you know, they're, they're just not wearing the mask. They're not making them. They're giving them the option. The banks are still still doing it, and government offices are becoming a little more relaxed and i'm you know i'm happy to see that but anyway it's um it's it's amazing to me and i'm that's all i'm gonna say yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's 100 percent. it hasn't lifted really at all here uh the the no. people that have gone around and said well i got vaccinated and i'm fine now though that, that that bedazzles me beyond just completely flabbergasted well the thing that <laughs> flabbergasts me is it's you know I'm vaccinated and I'm really? fine now, but I'm still wearing the mask and social distancing. <laughs> you know? I'm just like, well, okay. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. that, and uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But crazy uh, Well, I tell you what, Dad. You want to go ahead and pray for us, and we'll go ahead and get uh, get started here. Absolutely. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we just come to you now, Lord, and we just thank you for all that you do, Father. We just, uh, the blessings that you pour on us every day, Father, those that are realized and those that are not realized, I think too often we take them for granted, Lord. And I just, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy, Lord. I thank you for just uh, being with us as as we study your word and, and draw closer to you, Father. I pray that the Holy Spirit is just is with us at this time, Lord, and that we're able to draw closer to you and understand what you have for us to understand in your word. Lord. And I'm so thankful for the Old Testament, Father. I'm, I'm learning it uh, again, or even for the first time for a lot of it. And I'm, 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 I'm amazed. I'm, I'm just truly amazed at your magnificence, Father. I just thank you for this time together, Lord. I have forgiveness when I fail you. It's all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I tell you what, chapter 18 is packed. There's actually a lot to unpack here. Yeah. And it kind of all goes, you know, it is it is a story. But there's so much to unpack here that it's just like, there's just a lot. And you can take it from different parts of the Bible. I know, you know, last week we were talking with uh, with Juan about Romans 5 mm -hmm. and, you know, faith in, faith in crisis. You know, and that's really what you see in chapter 17 and 18, really, both of them for, yeah. uh, you know, for everything that, that David is going through. Mind you, he just kind of showed showed his level of courage when no one else was, you know, in the hand of Goliath. Amazingly, as if, you know, no one else had a single, you know, ounce of courage to to drop in the bucket he's over there like ah you know what we yeah, got he's this. brimming over with yeah he's, he's just like would you like some of my courage right like hey what's up with this filthy philistine over here my goodness what do we got to be worried about 
nine feet tall? Come on, guys. Our God's bigger than that. You know? <laughs> that reminds me of the Veggie Tales, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. There's the there's the five year old coming out, mate. Exactly. Well, let's go ahead and start reading chapter eighteen. All right. And Dad, we as you probably know, we we kind of go through it and stop us if you have something to say. And likewise, you know, we'll go through it and uh, just interrupt us if you need to interrupt us. That's right. All right. Well, ladies, okay. ladies and gentlemen, we come to you with the Duck Commander Faith and Family Bible. It's a New King James Version. I'm not sure what you're using, Delroy. What are you using? Um, I'm actually using Blue Letter Bible, so I'm... I'm hey, that's, <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. I love yeah. the Blue Letter Bible. And that's a good point, Brig. I, I have... <laughs> I, this is an amazing tool, and if, if anyone out there is listening hasn't looked into it, it it's an incredible tool. It really I, is. It's just... Uh, it's, it's amazing. But so right now, I'm... I went for this... Today, I'm at the New King James Version and NIV, but I, I really like the NLT version better uh-huh. when I'm when I'm reading through through a lot of the Old Testament. It just flows a little better for me, uh-huh. and uh, the words seem to just make more sense, if that, if that, uh, that is the sense. way to put yeah. it. But, but right now, I have side-by-side New King James and NIV. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll be reading from the New, New King James, and uh, Briggs got an NIV right beside him, so uh, looks like we're on the same page. <laughs> All right, well, I'll go ahead and start reading. Let's see. Uh, so the caption that I've got here is, Saul resents David, and this is First uh, Samuel 18. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, Jonathan here is uh, one of David's sons. Um, one of Saul's sons. I meant Saul's sons. Thank you. Yes, Saul's sons. And that kind of always, uh, that, that one verse right there is when I, you know, that, that's something to cling on for like my level of friendship. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you, uh, when you have somebody that you care about to the point where you, you care about yourself the same way. Right. Right. Okay, so... Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to, uh, let's see, with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out uh, wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely uh boy you can really see david is already <laughs> i mean he's been wise probably his whole life that's just the way god made him um but you can see here that david's you know already he's taking an wisely. extra tone yeah and saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of saul's servants uh, and that's also interesting because it says Saul set him over the men of war. I, I mean, what I'm thinking here is he's still the same age that he was before. And right. now he's what? General? Right. General David. And so he's what? You know, maybe. Uh, do we know how old David was? Did it say how old he was? I don't was believe when... it said how old he was. Yeah. I mean, my thing well, is like. I'll, I'll interject here, guys. Yeah, please do. Um, 
I've done some a little bit of research about that because I was curious myself. And let me preface it with that this uh, this past Sunday I gave a message at our church and it was called "I Need Friends Like That." And and the very first one I started off with was the friendship of Jonathan and David. And I have never read that. I don't know how I've overcome. I've just I've overlooked it somehow. Yeah. Um, or it just didn't it didn't mean anything when I did read it. But I'm going through the Bible chronologically now. Okay. For the first time, and man, I'm just I'm just soaking it up like never before. But the the friendship between those two is amazing. But from the best I can tell, at the time that David and Jonathan met. David was in his late teens, somewhere in the 18 range, and Jonathan was in his late 20s. So there was somewhere around a 10-year gap really? between the two of those. So David was 18 when he was commanding this huge army. Wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Most people That's go crazy, in as a private <laughs> at yeah, 18. Yeah. 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 Amazing. But yeah, that definitely does, you know, the, the relationship between Jonathan and David, you know, I, I until I read this in, in studying, I really had never, I hold this like, and, and any of my friends know this, I hold this like ultra, how would you even say that? Hmm. Ultra specific view of friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, you know, the, the word could, friend is very... It could possibly be put narrow, too. Narrow view of friend, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, the, the idea of friend has been really tossed around. And it's it's so tossed around that, well, anyone's my friend. You know, well, not necessarily. You know? Friend isn't necessarily somebody who doesn't do you harm. Right, right. And yeah. and it's there when you need them. You know, and, and I've, you know, a lot of people loosely say, well, Jesus is my friend. Well, he is. He's that kind of friend, though, in the same way that, you know, like, my idea is, you know, who's who's going to be there when no one else is, yeah. you know, and I could I could count on, you know, one hand how many people I could call in that type of situation that would drop everything and be like, I'm there. And likewise, and I think, you know, you see that in Jonathan and David in that one Definitely. verse where he says, you know, he knit he knit his soul to his just like it was his own. And you have to think about it like that. You know, your friend cares for you the same way he cares for himself, which goes back to love your neighbor as yourself right right and better love hath no man that he gives his life for his friend right so you know the the biblical view of friend is is a lot different than the worldly view of friend right right um now uh delray i'm just curious how do you come up with the age of 18 for david around the time of war uh, I went. I, I don't remember where I read it. I started uh, looking in the Blue Letter Bible, but then I researched uh, online and found a couple of different references that uh -huh. that um, was able to to make sense. And based on what they were saying, uh, when when all this transpired, it it sounded like it was accurate to me, the best I could tell. And these were, I. I Unfortunately, I don't remember the, the two that I I saved them because they were articles. Actually, both of them were articles okay. uh, from sources I've read before. Yeah, and I'd be happy to, uh, to to pass those on to Brig because it was it was pretty interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, that's sure. pretty cool. Well, yeah, man, if you uh, if you send them on to Brig, he can 
post them to Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be that would be super cool. It'd be a neat follow up. So anyway, well, um, if there's uh, no further discourse on the age of David, I'll keep reading. <laughs> Let's see. Now it had happened as they were coming home. Uh, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul. Uh, let's see, to, to meet King, King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Ooh. Yeah, may, maybe it's too soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they've ascribed only thousands? Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. <laughs> you can imagine that. Just like, you know, keep an eye on this one. Don't <laughs> give him too much power. Who knows where he might go with it. <laughs> He's already got the army. I know, right? It's, I mean, dude, you already, you gave him the army. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of, it makes sense that he's, you know, killing a little more than you're not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you can already see, you know, the massive shoes um, that David needs to fill. He's filling them out pretty quickly. You yeah. Know. For an 18 year old. Yeah. 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 You know, um, whenever, um, yeah, whenever, I guess it was, was it Nathan that, uh, no, maybe I guess it was Sam, Samuel. No, Samuel, I think. Um, yeah, obviously Samuel <laughs> that God sent to basically anoint David as King. Right. You know, um, which one could argue that it was premature since Saul is king, right? right? Uh, but but God's like, yeah, 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 but David is actually king. He's the one who's going to be king. Um, he's the one whom I'm pretty much already considering king. Um, Saul is just sitting in the big chair right now. Um, and so after that happens, it's like, okay, wow. David has some big boots to fill, you know. Um, everything's looking pretty big for him. Um, and you can see pretty quickly he's filling them very fast. Right. You know, uh, he killed Goliath. Um, Saul basically was like, man, you're going to stick around, son. I mean, you can see pretty early uh, in 18... Uh, Saul would not let him go home. It's like, no, 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 no. Look, kid, you can't go home. I've got <laughs> things for you to do over here. Um, and so, oh, and then even more than that, David is now, quote unquote, entangled with uh, Saul's family, with the royal family, because he's, you know, closer than a brother with Jonathan. Right. Um. And so where Saul wouldn't stick up for David, Jonathan would give his life for him at any given moment. Right. Uh, you can see that as he, he, he takes off his robe and gives it to David uh, and gives him his armor, his sword, his bow, and his belt. 
And so it's like, oh, man. Um, these two are pretty tight. And so anyway, they go to war and they come back and the all, the, all the, the ladies are singing and dancing and, you know, Saul is slain his thousands. And you can see Saul like, yeah, you know it, you know it. And David is ten thousands. Yeah, yeah, his wait. Wait, what? say that again. Wait, what? Hey, hold on here. You know. <laughs> uh, uh, so, anyway, David's moving up in the world quick, uh, a little too quick for Saul's liking, which is why Saul says to himself, uh, "What more can he have but the kingdom?" He's like, man. I'm not careful. He's going to be sitting in my chair, which mind you is probably a large amount of the, the jealousy that you oh, see yeah. is, you know, he already knows that David is anointed. You know, he already knows this. And well, so it's just like, I don't know if he have, knows it officially. He might suspect it, but at this point, nobody's actually told him as far as we know. That's true. Yeah. You have any thoughts on that, dad? Um, I, I'm, I'm two verses ahead of you. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, chime in, uh, around oh, 12. So what you're saying is keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's do that. Uh, let's see. <laughs> and it happened on the next day that the d distressing spirit from God came upon Saul. <laughs> That's yeah. And he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Is that is that where you were coming to? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I was. Uh, so a couple of things there that, that um, really struck me. First of all, I was looking at the NLT, um, on uh, 10, and I looked at several ones, but the NLT says this, the very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. And the NIV says an evil spirit, and, and it, it was hard for me to swallow it saying an evil spirit from God. And right. and uh, so I, I, I tried, I looked at other translations, and, and this one, to me, makes sense on what it's trying to say, although I haven't I haven't really translated from its original version or anything like that, but right. the very next day, a torment spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand. Um, it just, it just to me, it made when it's talking about the the distressing uh, spirit, mm -hmm. uh, that one just kind of it's kind of resonated uh, for me. And then when you when you go into uh, eleven, these two came these two kind of go hand in hand when you when you look at eleven and twelve and I'm reading in New King James, and Saul cast his spear. Saul cast the spear, or he said, "I will pin David to the wall." But David escaped his presence twice. Now this is the one that really is the is the whole pivoting point from where the, the kingship is changing. Right. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, 
but he had departed from Saul. Mm. And Saul knew it. Yeah. Saul knew it. And that's that's where it all started going bad quick, I think. So what you're saying is nobody necessarily told Saul that, you know, David's going to be king now, but Saul can feel the presence of God has left him and is with David. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. That's yeah. That's what I'm picking yeah. up there. That, that resounds. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Woo. Man. As if he didn't have reason to be jealous before. Right, right. Yeah, man. Hmm, okay. Well, let's see. I will pin David to the wall, um, but David has escaped his presence. Okay, you know what? Let's actually stop right there, and we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we will come right back and start on verse 12. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> We are back. We are back. We left off with a um, um, a spear in the wall. <laughs> yeah, twice. Twice. Yeah. So uh, David, you have to imagine that scene. You know, David running from Saul. Yeah. As he's just like throwing spears into the wall. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so David gets away. Uh, let's see. So now we're in verse twelve. Now Saul was afraid of David. Gee, I wonder why. Kind of like, uh, kind of like Del Rey was saying earlier. You know, if he if he could feel God's presence leaving him and is in David now, that's what just happened. Then Saul has every reason to be scared. Uh, now Saul was afraid of David. What were you going to say, something, Del Rey? No, I just said yep. Oh, yep. <laughs> Now, Saul is afraid of David uh, because the Lord was... Oh, there it is. <clears throat> because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore, Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely... He was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. So Saul's in kind of kind of a predicament here because everybody is in love with David. Mind you, the thing that kind of started Saul getting upset to begin with was David slayed his ten thousands. Regardless of whether he did or not, He's the one that got the praise. Oh, Saul's king will, you know, he slayed thousands too. But yeah, David slayed ten thousands. Right. Um, and so you can see here, but all Israel, Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. And so David kind of represented Saul's people. He represented the kingdom. Everybody loved him. He's like, that is our guy. Um, and, and he behaved wisely in everything that he did. Uh, oh, and mind you, so the men's prayer breakfast that Brig and I, um, uh, attend bi-weekly, we're going through Proverbs and 
when you go through Proverbs, my goodness, there's a reason it's called wisdom literature. It's all about wisdom. It's screaming from the book of Proverbs many, 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 many times. Um, and you can see David early on in this story. He's got a fear of God, a righteous fear of God. And what I mean by a righteous fear of God is he's not sitting there quaking in his boots every day. What I mean is, you know, he's he's telling, you know, all the people he's with, what do we have to fear with these stinking Philistines? It doesn't matter how many of them there are. It doesn't matter how big they are. What matters is our God is powerful, huge and powerful. And he has delivered me out of the hand out of the hands of every lion and bear that he's put. I was me in. I was about to I was literally about to go and he is Daniel yeah, and he's not about <laughs> he is not about to just stand by and uh, um, and not protect me when I fight you know the Philistines and so uh, David has a practical what I would call a practical fear of God. In that, that is, I think that's really what's meant by fearing God. It's not, you know, it's not quaking in your boots every day that God's going to come down and strike you. It's, it's knowing that, and I mean, you know, if you're living a life of sin, then maybe that is what it means. Right. Um, but if you're righteous, like David is shown and portrayed here, then you have no fear uh of man it's not necessarily no fear of god but it's no fear of man you know what can god uh, i mean what can man do to me um and so in proverbs which a lot of proverbs we get straight from the mouth of david uh if not by way of the mouth of solomon um his son um you know the fear of uh, the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. And so, like I said, David has a, a biblical fear of God. And right here, we just saw it a couple of times, uh, and David behaved wisely in all of his ways, and the Lord was with him. And so you can really see, you know, um, that practical fear of God here. Right. He's behaving wisely. You know, one, you know, they, they go together. There's, they're almost synonymous. Right. A fear of God is wisdom. That's where wisdom begins, you know, is with the fear of God. And so you can see that here with David. Um, time and time again. Well, I'd like to interject something. You were talking about Proverbs and... Yeah. And so one of the things that I brought up in the message Sunday was Proverbs seventeen seventeen, And, and so it's, um, it's pretty widely agreed that Solomon wrote the first 29 Proverbs and seventeen seventeen says, my friend is one who loves at all times. And it, it made me wonder if Solomon wrote that about the friendship between David and Jonathan, because oh. it was an all-in 
friendship. And it was an agape love. It was an unconditional love, unconditional friendship. And I just can't help. You were saying a lot of that was from the mouth of David and stuff. I just yeah. can't help but wonder if David had, you know, passed that along and, and Solomon, uh, you know, wrote it in, in such a way. Because it, it would make perfect sense if that were the it case. It would. You're it's right. Speculation, nothing more. But, but it made me think about that when you brought up Proverbs, that um, that's not exactly what, that's anywhere near what you're talking about, fear of God. But, but in terms of the fear of God, I think in, in that respect, it, it, that's what it is. It's, it's respect mm-hmm. when you, when you think of there in that way that, that, you know, he had complete reverence for God. He had complete respect for God and his faith showed that. And, and obviously he went and, and slayed a giant. Right. And he, he did not take credit for it at all. No. And, you know, he in our, that, go, go ahead. Sorry. That's all I had. You know, you, you you see, you also see what happens in the opposite. You know, take our, you know, our our little journey so far through the Bible. You know, what what happened to, you know, the Pharaoh and his court when that wasn't the case. Right. You know, there was there was the a total opposite, a complete laugh, a mockery of God, as you will. Well, you know, yeah, that's that's, right. that's what happens. And, and another, and and I know I bring it up pretty pretty frequently, and because it is. You know, in sense, just a proof of a just and God who is to be feared, and a also magnificent example of the people. What happens to the people who don't is what about you know Elijah and the prophets of Baal? You know, he he lets mm-hmm. them mock God. He lets them, you know, yeah. I mean, is your God asleep? Is he dead? Is he you know off in the bathroom? I mean, what's what's going on here? I thought your God was great. You know, but it, and at the end of the day, it's like step back. Would everyone please pour water on this? And I, I will, you know, show you what my God is capable of, and then maybe you will have some respect, you know, for for the you know the lack of better sense and something. I don't know if you know, Dad, that uh, I did a I did a Sunday school lesson on this a couple years ago, and I, and I went pretty in depth. And I'm gonna give myself a little pat on the back. I had three days to do that. <laughs> you know, Martin told me on like a Thursday night. Oh man! I, yeah, really? he told me on a Thursday night. Hey, you're doing Sunday school, and I'm like, oh, I am. For a second, I was thinking you. I was thinking you were like, you know, I did it in three days, but that's not what you said. You had, I had three days. Yeah, I had to three do days to, to to study and put this together. But I went pretty in depth, and one of the things that I discovered accidentally, but it, it was amazing because I was able to ask this question to the people of the church. But um, do you know what Baal was the God of dad? No, he was the God of fire. Oh, okay. Which is, so, it is interesting because what does Elijah use to prove who God is? He uses fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wow. It's like I thought your God could do this. Is what's yeah, what's going on here? He's, he's, he's literally the God, God of fire at, own, at his own game. Yeah, he's like he's literally the God of fire here. Hold on, okay, just y- y'all step aside. Anyway, that to be said, you know, th- there's <laughs> let me show the, you something. The amazing things that happen when when you know the lack of respect and you know God is being made a mockery of. He always prevails, you know, and, and brings himself greater glory <laughs> out of the mockery and lack of respect. Yeah. 
Good point. So let's see. Let me continue on here. Let's see. Uh, everybody loves David, and uh, Saul is giving him the hairy eyeball. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> David marries. Uh, I guess that's Michael. It is Michael. Yeah, isn't it? I I hit that too. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's spelled differently though, isn't it? It is. Here it. Well, I don't know if it's spelled differently in the original Hebrew, but. This is spelled M I. They spell it M I C H A L. Yeah. Whereas we would normally spell it M I M I C H A E L. Interesting. Anyway, uh, seventeen. Then Saul said to David, "Here is my older daughter Merab. I will give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles." For Saul thought, "Let my hand not be against him." But let the hand of the Philistines be against him. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> so I don't have to do God's right. I don't have to be the bad guy. Let someone else be the bad guy. So David said to Saul, Who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it happened at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, uh, the Maholathite as a wife. Okay, that's interesting. And so... Huh, I don't... For some reason, I don't remember that. David's kind of trying to... I mean, Saul's trying to pawn his oldest daughter off to David, and David's like, you know, who am I that I should be son-in-law to royalty? You know? <laughs> and And then it says it but it happened at the time that she actually was given to Adriel. So I wonder if that was that Saul was telling David, you know, hey, here's my daughter. And he was like, nay, nay. And so then he gave her to this other guy or it's just that, I don't know, gave him a raw deal. I'm not uh, sure. You know, I you could take it either way. The way I read it, and I, I read the NIV as well, and it, it just seems to me like it was one of those kind of backwater deals, Indian giving kind of thing. That's like, what it seems that, like. That's, yeah. that's what I gathered, and I, I don't know about what, what your thoughts are on that, Dad, but it definitely seemed like an, uh, yeah, psych, just kidding. Yeah, maybe so. No, the, uh, of all the verses in this chapter, that one was the most peculiar, peculiar to me and perplexing, and I really didn't have enough time to research it to, to get the backstory on it. But there's obviously something there that caused all that to happen, for sure. But yeah. I, I don't have an answer to that. No. Okay. Now, we could easily say that the timeline might have been different, and, and it was like you said, but I just think, in my opinion... Uh, you know, have, having no, you know, obviously I didn't go in deep on this, uh, but it just seems like with Saul's prior, what we know of Saul to this point, that's the more likely case. Right, right. Because he's already, he has some resentment and jealousy and anger issues towards David that why not, you know. Now, it may have been that, you know, David did the, the wise thing and said, uh, yeah, no. But I, I, I don't know. And I wonder if there's not something that... I wonder if there's something that you can't get from this story here that's maybe, I don't know, 
you have to read into the 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 history a little bit with the with the Philistines. But it sounds like, you know, it says, For Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. And it's in the context of giving his daughter to David. <laughs> Is this one of those, like... Uh... I wonder if maybe he promised her to, you know, a Philistine or something. I don't know. That sounds weird. No. Or he, he promised him to da promised her to David and then hoped David died in war. There yeah, is that, too. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he's already in battle all the time. And so, I mean... Well, so was, so was David's high guy when they had the, the problem with Bathsheba. You know, he was true. in war all the time, too. He was the top guy. And that was kind of David's response. So I wonder if this wasn't like a, you know, you've done this before. You've done something that ought not be done, kind of, you know. Oh, I see. I Did see. he learn that it, trick okay, from Saul? So what, what I'm... <laughs> What I'm seeing here is for, you know, it sounds like what's going on is he's saying, my hand isn't going to be against David. He's always off in battle anyway, so I'll let the Philistines kill him. Right. You know, we'll, we'll do it that way, but I'm going to make it look like I'm, you know, doing doing my part for David. And so hey, I'm going to give him my daughter, you know. Um, so it looks like everything's happy and copacetic between David and royal family while you know maybe it's really not and that would be something we'll just have to look into that because yeah realistically yeah. that that was something when i was doing all my readings that i really i didn't have a good answer yeah, for yeah and it's not obvious either no no uh so moving on let's see oh, oh what were you gonna say i i said nope it's not obvious That's yeah, all. yeah yeah okay so let's see um she was given to Adriel the Meholathite as a wife. So 20. Now Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give her to him, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore, Saul said to David a second time, You shall be my son-in-law today. And Saul commanded his servants, Communicate with David secretly and say, Look, this king has delighted you, and all his servants love you. Now, therefore, become the king's son-in-law. So, so Saul's servants, man, this is like Dr. Seuss. So Saul's servants spoke those words uh, in the hearing of David. <laughs> And David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing I am a poor and lightly esteemed man? Uh, speaking humbly, maybe. Um, and the servants of Saul uh, told him, saying, In this manner David spoke. And then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, the king does not desire any dowry but 100 foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the day on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. Ah, I see. I see. So he's using David's humbleness against him. He's saying, you know, he's trying to give David his daughters, right? And David's sitting here like, now wait a minute. I don't rank that high, do I? That you're going to give me your daughters? Come on, man. And so he's like, you know, ah, well, you go out there and, you know, 
fight with the Philistines and, um, you know, and prove yourself, and then you'll be worthy of my daughters. Princess and the pea kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, anyway, that's 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 what it sounds like to me at this point. Does that does that sound? What do you think, Delray? Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what it is that he's. Uh, you know, it says a, a couple verses before that. You know, he wants his daughter to be a snare, right, David? Uh, and <clears throat> although it's covered in a couple of verses for, uh, forward, one thing that Mike said, Pastor Mike said last week that I've never really thought of it like this, and I don't remember his exact words, but he said something to the effect that Saul was. Uh, sitting on a fence or non-committal or uh do y'all do you remember when yeah, he I, was talking about Saul and he was and it's funny because you I know do. now yeah. Saul he's thrown his two spears and David's you know one with that and and so now he's thinking he's gonna backhand this thing and and figure out a way for someone else to kill David and then he won't have to worry about taking the blame although it's you know it's it's his design He's, he's trying to make it a way that he would be blameless in it. And so he's, he's plotting all this. You can see all these, these moving pieces, so to speak, kind of that Saul is trying to put into play to make it happen, but make it like, you know, he had nothing to do with it. And, and, uh, so anyway, that's kind of what I'm seeing that as. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, Let's uh let's move a little further. Let's see. Uh, ba, 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 ba. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Um, which is exactly what it sounds like Saul wanted. Mm-hmm. Now the days had not expired. Therefore David arose and went he and his men, and killed 200 men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full count to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, his wife. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David, so Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war. And so it was, whenever they went out, that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. So, again, David goes on this, you know, kind of a, a death mission. Um and uh kills 200 philistines uh and brings back the evidence in full count and you know does everything that saul told him to do for her dowry and so saul has nothing left to do but to give michael his daughter as a wife um and one thing you see out of this is you see that Saul's fear is still misplaced. Right, right. It's not. It's not in the fear of the Lord. It 
clearly said he feared David. He feared David, right. And and that just shows, you know, from and and that's one of those things that, you know, I go back to think about, you know, Solomon, you know, what did he ask for above all things? Mm-hmm. He could have asked for anything, but he asked for wisdom. And I think, you know, it, Saul is lacking that. Right. Greatly. Right. He's to the point where he doesn't even, it's almost as if he doesn't care that, uh, you know, God could wipe him off the face of the planet yeah. quite easily. Wouldn't take much. Mm-hmm. And he's still more afraid of David than he is of God. Right. It's kind of a, maybe you just said this. Uh, but yeah, it's like the, um, it's like the Pharaoh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's I'm, really I'm like the moon that. and the stars. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and so I find, I find it um, humorous when you look at uh, 25. Uh huh. That Saul replies, "Say to David, the king wants another price than uh, than a hundred Philistine foreskins." But David, the the overachiever that he always is, he comes back. You know, okay, well, yeah. Hunter's not nothing. Yeah, we we'll give him twice. Saul's that. thinking he's putting him to death by requiring him to bring back a hundred. And what does he do? No, he kills two hundred. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Definitely an overachiever there. <laughs> it's like well, I, I again, just want to make sure I got the count right. Saul. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, uh, I think, uh, and it says right here. Thus saw, uh, thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David. And so before he was suspecting it, he was like, "Man, I'm mm-hmm. feeling a little uncomfortable here. Pretty sure that, uh, pretty sure that God's, you know, left me and is dwelling with David, and I don't like it." Um, yeah. And so here he sends David on a suicide mission, right? And David comes back with twice the number that he was supposed to come back with. And at this point, Saul is like, there is no way that he, that any normal man could come back from that alive. Absolutely no way. He was supposed to be not just dead, but really dead. You know, I designed this <laughs> and to kill him. And that's kind of why I'm thinking, you know, I, I again, like you said, Dad, earlier, you know, it's one of those things where you read it and you've probably read it before, but now it makes a lot more sense than it did last time you read it. And I yeah. wonder if that was not the um, the uh, eh? inspiration for what David did, you know, during the incident with Bathsheba. I'll just oh. send him off to war. You know, I, oh. I think this was the inspiration. <laughs> For that plot, yeah, 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 maybe so. It didn't work for me, but he, he, you know, God's with me, not with him. So it'll, it'll work this time, right? 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 <laughs> I never thought about that before, but you, you know, and we saw this several times going through Genesis, where it's like you have the same, the same. It was, it was Sarah. Oh, this is my sister. It's like you've done something that ought not be done. We saw that three times. It was the same situation. Yeah. And it's like literally the same scenario every time. And and the third time it was with a, a son, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. So it was like literally the same thing has happened three times. A, these people didn't wise up to ask first. But B, you know, th- there was inspiration to the second one and the third one. And I, I almost wonder if we're seeing that repetition here. 
And if you read it singularly apart from each other, you may not see that. Yeah. But if yeah. you, you know, read it the way we're reading it at now, it just kind of makes more sense. Yeah. And so after that death mission, Saul's looking at David like, oh, shoot. Now I know beyond a doubt that he's God's man. Because the only way that somebody could survive that is if he was God's is man. With, if, is if he was God's man. Is if God specifically said, hey, he will survive. I want him to survive because he's mine. And that's worrying Saul here because he's like, oh, shoot. It's true. Um, and what's interesting here is, like you said, uh, Brig, Uh, forgot where I was going with that. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty clear that um, you haven't had steak oh, today. That's the problem. No, I haven't had steak today. I need some steak. Is what I need. <laughs> uh, where was I going with that? Boy, that train really just still still at the station. <laughs> uh, it was a good thought, I'm sure. It was a great thought. It was amazing. If I could bring it back. Well, hang tight. We're gonna we're gonna take an obscene profit break right here, and uh, and we'll we'll catch you back. On I'll the have that side. thought by the time the break is over. I'm I'm hoping anyway. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. And we're back. And my train of thought just came back to the station. So uh, maybe maybe it'll go in the right direction this time. So what I was uh, I was piggybacking on what Briggs said earlier about misplaced fear. So um, Saul is not fearing the right individual at this point he's fearing david not god and partially because he knows that god is with david which is the, what the reason that he's fearing david um and so anyway uh like it says here let's see ah yes and saul was still more afraid of david so Saul became David's enemy continually. Uh, and so you can see that Saul fears David, not God. David fears God, not Saul. And Saul is the one who's the enemy of David. David at no point, actually at no point in his existence, is David ever the enemy of Saul. Right. You know. Um I mean, all throughout David's existence, all throughout his relationship with Saul, David stands firm. He says, hey, Saul's the one that God appointed as king. I'm not going to step in and, you know, uh, I'm not going to get rid of him. He's royal blood. God made him king, right? Uh, even though David was anointed that really the true king, uh, he's like, you know, hey, Saul is appointed by God, and so I'm not going to stand in the way of God here. Right. And so by by not getting rid of Saul, I am, you know, I am honoring God. Um, and so at no point David is the enemy of Saul, but Saul becomes even more so the enemy of David, Right. You could you could always say that David is, you know, even Saul's friend. You know, David is constantly sticking up for Saul. But Saul hates David. 
that's where God's, you know, been placed. Uh, that's where uh, uh, God's love has been placed is on, is on David. And so David, uh, Saul has become the enemy of David. And so anyway. <laughs> there <laughs> and it still all goes back to misplaced fear it goes back to misplaced fear yeah anyway so uh well del ray do you have any more thoughts on that on chapter 18 uh no sir cool i, I did not well if it's all well and good with everybody we can move on to chapter 19 we can yeah <laughs> Yeah. All right. Assuming I've done little studies on chapter 19, I was unprepared. I'm saying that now, but we'll just go with it. We'll go with it. Yeah. Uh, Saul persecutes David. It's chapter 19. Now, Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. And so there's that, that, that love that uh, Brooke was talking about earlier uh, between David and Jonathan. Yeah. So Jonathan told David, saying, At, My father seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning, and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field uh, where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. Uh, then what I observe, I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David. Because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistines. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why, what, uh, why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? Um, yeah, I mean, everything he says here is all good accurate. and true. It's 100% yeah. accurate, yeah. Um... So and, Saul, and mind he, you, these are all things that Saul doesn't want to hear. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 he doesn't want to hear them. And in fact, uh, when Jonathan says, you saw it and rejoiced, I'm pretty sure that was Saul going, heh, heh, it, it, did I? Bravo, nice, good job, dang it. Dang it, dang it, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, good, good, good job, David. Man, I knew you could do it, man, 200, hey, nice, man. You're the man. You you are the man. Good job. <laughs> and behind his back, he's like, dang, 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 dang. You know, not cool. Um, and so when Jonathan says, you saw it and rejoiced, um, that's probably what was going on. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, was I ever rejoicing. Um, anyway, so Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in the pres and he was in his presence, um, as in past times, as in times past. Make sure he didn't have a spear this time. Yeah. Hey, uh, Saul, where's that spear, huh? Why, why, why don't you give it to me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow. I think right here would probably be. Uh... A good time to take a break and uh, and and hit it and go ahead and close out for the evening. Okay, I think Dad has uh, to get on to some other things for the night.
But, Dad, would you like to close us in prayer? Sure. <clears throat> Father, I just thank you for these two men, Lord. They just, uh, they seek you, Lord, and they, they want to, to understand you. They want to be pleasing to you in everything that they do, Father. And, and I'm, uh, I'm so joyous about what they're doing for you, Father. And I pray that others will, will be able to follow that lead, Lord, to spread your word and, and, and just get out the gospel, the good news, Lord, that's, that's there for all of us. Father, I thank you for this time. And I thank you for these men. It's all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll go ahead and take a break there. And we'll be right back. All right. We are back. We so are back. Dad had to, had to run. So we're going to go ahead and proceed. Interesting facts about Texas. Interesting facts about Texas. So I had this pulled up. It's pretty... Just got like a list of Texas facts. And it just, oh, there it is. Here we go. Interesting. All right. So, Brig, did you know that Amarillo, Texas, has the world's largest helium well? No. Yeah. Yeah. Largest helium well comes from Amarillo. Um, which is up in northern-ish Texas. North Central. Yeah, North Central. That's about that's about what I'd say. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Um, Brazoria County has more species of birds than any other comparable area in North America, and that is just in one county in Texas. That. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Let's see. Uh, Port Lavaca has the world's longest fishing pier, originally part of the causeway connecting the two sides of Lavaca Bay. The center span of it was destroyed by Hurricane Carla in 1961. Oh, here's cool. The Tyler Municipal Rose Garden is the world's largest rose garden. It contains 38 thousand rose bushes representing 500 varieties of roses set in a 22 acre garden wow okay 38,000 rose bushes 500 different varieties and i guess when you 22 22 acres is a lot but when you think about 38,000 roses and yeah, rose bushes and 500 varieties. It's like, maybe that's, you know, I guess, can it fit in all there? I mean, I guess it can, but I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. So the world's largest rose garden is in Texas. In the Tyler Municipal Rose Garden. Well, that's pretty much what I got to today. I'll try to find something a little more ex uh, interesting next time. A little more interesting. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, well... That's what we've got. I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, Del Rey uh, and his insight on First Samuel 18. And we will continue from here on into the life of David. And so uh, tune in on Thursday, and we will talk to you then. Adios. Adios. 
Hey guys, Brug Lance with the Texans Take Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us. Listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. 